This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. and welcome to another episode of Can You Be More Pacific? I'm Dean Hullatow and as always I'm joined by my lovely co-host Sarah Ngama. Sarah. Bula Dean and Bula to all of our listeners, it's great to be back in the studio and to also see you in the flesh. Good to be back in the flesh because we've had a few weeks uh, over the last month or so where we haven't actually been in here together, but we get a chance to do that today, which is great. Yeah, I've been a couple of COVID cases, camps. Yeah, you live. were in camp, I was in camp, you were in camp sweating out, I was in camp just like hanging out, so bit different there. We've got lots <laughs> coming up in the next hour. We'll take a look back at the weekend in sport. We've got an interview with Shannon Mato and we have a new question for you can ask that. But as always, I'd love to get a story from you, Sarah. Oh gosh, I feel like you just tucked me right yeah, under yeah, the bus. Yeah, I want to get a story straight away. Um, yeah, okay, look. So last week I told you about my quest to hire a dog. Yes. Um, that actually fell through. But what what became evident to me over the weekend is that I think I'm a little bit of a shocking host, like a house host, because as you know, the dog, the quest for the dog was for my boyfriend. Um, it was his birthday last weekend. However, we had family come over and, you know, I'm so annoying. I go to great lengths to try and create this thing for him that he doesn't even really want in the first place. <laughs> and then the Saturday that we're hosting everyone, I had a Waratahs camp from like I was gone from about seven till two, which basically, and our guests were coming at four, which meant that the birthday boy that didn't even want to had to set up the whole house. He went to Bunnings, bought a new outdoor setting, came back, had to like pull the extra chairs out from the garage, like set up the bar, the whole thing. And I walk in like Lady Ledger being like, oh, everything's ready. Like you ready for your party? And he's like, I've just been doing so much. And I'm like, oh, like, it's okay. You really relax into it. And then it got to, you know, eight o'clock and like, we just had a couple of guests still around, which was totally fine. And I loved it. Like loved having everyone over and I'm sitting at the table and I'm like, oh, okay. Like, excuse me for a moment. And then I went to the room and I fell asleep <laughs> for like 10 minutes. It's like 10 minutes, 10 minutes, power nap, power nap. And then I came back out and I was like, oh, like everyone good. Like anyone want another drink? And I'm thinking, Sarah, you are shocking. You're like, everyone go away. I just want to go to bed now. It's but been then, such a long day of preparing this party. Honestly, I'm like, I just I just went to the room and like closed the door. So you would have just thought I was going to the ladies. Um, but no, sister girl was on the bed, face down uh, for a little bit. Then I got back up. <laughs> the power network. Yeah, actually, my wife is very slim to you. She is renowned for Christmas parties in particular, <laughs> disappearing, but for hours. Like she'll just walk away and everyone will go, well, where's Rochelle? And uh, we'll sneak up to one of the rooms and she's just out. I'm done. So, Oh, bless. I feel like your wife and I would get along really yes, well. Yes, you would very much so. Enough about me. How's your week been? Week's been good. Obviously, I had the camp, as you mentioned, last yes. week. So uh, good result for the team that I was with, the New Zealand Māori All-Stars, the men's one. Uh, so it was great to be a part of that. Got back home on Sunday. So I've just been getting back into normal routine uh, the last couple of days. Uh, but yeah, really enjoyable time in camp. I have a quick question. You know, sometimes when you come into camp, you really miss that camp setting, being in that environment. Do you have a bit of, uh, I guess, FOMO? Not necessarily FOMO. What's the word? Are you just missing the, the camp vibe? Oh, no, not really. I was happy to get home. Oh, to okay. Be That's how you. you know you're a tired Yeah, because <laughs> I, I, I wasn't in there playing. I, I, and I was. Um, you're working. I, I was an external as well. Like I was in there doing a job for the NRL, not necessarily for the team. So it was right. a little bit different, but still great to be a part of it. 
I bet. What is our top story for this week? It's actually uh, really sad news. It is sad news, but I'd like to, to celebrate the life of Olsen Filipina. He's a, a rugby league legend. He passed away last week. And, um, you know, he was such a pioneer for, for Pacifica players in rugby league. I'd say in both codes and in sport in general in this country because he was one of the first to make it up into the top grade and really establish himself as a, a top-class player in rugby league. He played for Balmain, played for North Sydney. Uh, he represented the Kiwis. I think 28 tests he played for the Kiwis. And he was one of those guys, like, he, he played a lot of internationals or tests for the Kiwis um, pl- while he was playing reserve grade at times. So he'd be playing reserve grade. He'd be up and down in first grade in the um, New South Wales rugby league competition. And um, But he'd still get picked for the New Zealand team because he was one of those guys put the jersey on and he was unstoppable. He had a test series against Australia, the Kangaroos, where he completely dominated Wally Lewis, who is the king. Everyone knows Wally is the king and um, one of the greatest players that's ever played the game. But Olsen was the one that was called upon to take him on in these games. And, and he had a, a man of the match series. I think it was in 1985 or 86, but... Um, 85. 85, there you go. He's in, held in such high regard by by people in the game. And um, yeah, like I said, a pioneer. So very sad uh, for Olsen's passing, but um, what a legacy he's left behind. Well said, and I love how you you opened that by saying we would like to celebrate his life because essentially he's had such a a, a full life, and um, it's so unfortunate to hear this news. But I love how um, the game on Saturday, the All Stars multi win, was dedicated to him. So I think it was a fitting recognition for for an outstanding human. Yes, it was, and uh, on on that the the All Stars on the weekend, it was um, a pretty cool event, I would say. Like it was. Uh, a whole week of celebration of culture and, and it all culminated with both matches on Saturday night and being out at the ground, it was uh, such a really, like such a, a good atmosphere and a good vibe. Packed house. It was packed. Yeah. I didn't really expect it to be as, um, such an atmosphere as it was and uh, it was really enjoyable. What did you think of the matches? Yeah, I thought they were incredible for all the reasons that you said. I think in the lead up, the NRL did such an incredible job at showcasing what life was like in camp and there's a different element of celebrating culture. So you got to see the Māori All-Stars, you know, singing songs and then you get to see the Indigenous All-Stars um, doing their dances as well. So I think it's a, a week where you kind of just stop and take everything in. And it's a, it's such a beautiful display um, of, of Indigenous culture. So I really enjoyed it. I was really impressed. Let's start with the first game. The women's, they, they dominated in that match. It was a, uh... A very well, we got there, so we arrived off the bus um, probably midway through the game. But the intensity was so high, like it was standing on the side and watching some of the contacts, it was massive. But the Indigenous All Stars, they were in control for the majority of the match. Eighteen eight was the final score. They beat the the Maori All Stars women's side, and um, like I said, really intense competition, really uh, big match. There was. A couple of tries scored by Andrew Moore's favourite name to call, Autumn Rain Stephen Staley. She got two tries. This is how the second one went. 11 metres out from the goal line. Maori All-Stars down 12-4, but they're on the attack. It comes to the left of Tamara. She links up now with Better Welsh. Cut out pass away to the winger. And crossing to score again is Autumn Rain Stephen's Daly. She gets a double. What a name, but what a call. Great call. Andrew Moore always on top of the calls. He really was. I guess it was sweet revenge for the Indigenous women who were humbled last year with a 24-0 result. So for them to turn it around and have a close match like that talks about how much they've grown as a squad, but also how much more competitive these games are getting. Yeah, and I, I spoke to Dean Witters last year after that match. They, they learn a lot from going up to Townsville and, and they weren't happy with 
the performance they put in. It was a, it was a big victory, as you said, to the, to the Māori women's last year, but really big turnaround. The defence at the end of the game, they stopped the Māori women's so many times when they were attacking their line. They just come up with some last-ditch defence. It was really impressive. So um, really big performance, like you said. Yes, turning our attention over to the All-Stars men's match, uh, the Maldives came out on top. 16-10. It was a huge win for them. And um, I thought that looking at the teams on paper, I thought they definitely had a more experienced side, but the Indigenous side had so much attacking flair and so much speed. So it was going to be – I thought it was always going to be a really tight match, and and it turned out to be that way. Um, Very much back and forth. The conditions weren't great for both games. There was quite a bit of rain throughout the day, but – I thought for the first hit out for all players for the season, um, they put up really some really really quality performances. Different in terms of they had unlimited interchanges. I think in the men's uh, game there was forty or fifty interchanges per team. What so, the heck? Yeah, so they were constantly rotating players, which is which is fine. That I, I like that they're doing that because it protects the players when they go back. They, they go back to clubland. They're not completely burnt by having to play full matches, yeah. but. Um, Great game, great to to be out there, and uh, there was a a try scored by Cody Nicarima um, near the post, which uh, I think it gave them the go ahead. So it was a really, really good piece of play by uh, good interchange passing by the the multi team, and uh, this is how that try went. Twenty one meters out from the goal line, eighteen in from the eastern touch line. Good chance here for the Mounties, and there's a six again. Fisher Harris gets it right, Tarpany. Then he links up Nicarima, step past one, two scores. Brilliant footwork, Cody Nicarima, and the Maori All-Stars get their first of the night. I saw that try. It was really impressive. His footwork was like one, two, over. Yeah, well, he caught he the offload. He just like, sorry, he sliced straight through the middle. Yeah, it's well well put. He, he got he got the offload from um, Joseph Tarpanay, who was co-captain, so co-captains um, connected for that try. But as he caught it, he felt the defence coming across, and he's, he just cut off that right foot so hard, and they were like, oh, he's gone, and scoring try. So um, really good performance again. And how good were the Huckers? Incredible. Yeah. It's like it's spine tingling stuff, yeah. right? Because you never get to see two sides do it. It's always one side that gets to uh, to do the haka and, you know, because it's their cultural practice. But to see two sides being able to do it, it's pretty cool. Yeah, the Indigenous team, I, I spoke to Josh Adokar during the week and he said that this camp was one where they really focused on learning why they're doing what they're doing with their cultural dance. He said in the past, they've learned the dance and um, it's been good to connect with culture. But he, he felt like this year they got deeper in, in understanding, you know, what was the meaning behind everything they were doing. And uh, it was... Uh, I've heard it was the best reply uh, to a hucker that, that a lot of people have I seen in a long that. time. So um, great celebration of culture there. Yes, and uh, before we, we move on, I just want to make mention of Joe Tarpanay, who was named player of the match. He was incredible on the weekend. He scored a try that was coupled with 125 running metres and seven tackle breaks. NRL season is coming. It's coming. Big performance from Joe. Now over to your code, Rugby Union. Yes, <laughs> What's going on in the world of rugby? There is lots happening in the world of rugby. Uh, as we know, the Super Rugby Pacific competition will kick off on Friday. Um, but in the lead up to that, there have been a series of trial matches. And I just want to start with Moana Pacifica. They are one of two new teams that have joined the competition. Um, they've been prepping well. They've been doing whatever they had to do. They had that unsuccessful trial match. But what has hindered them of late is that seven people in their team have tested positive to covid so right now they're isolating in Queensland. How this affects them was they were meant to have the Blues on round one, which was, again, February 18th. However, they've now had to postpone that because they need their players to be able to be cleared, um, be healthy, to be able to rejoin the competition. So, yeah, it's really it's really disappointing because you could only imagine how much um, their 
how eager they are to to kick off round one against the Blues. But um, safety first, and I think we'll see a lot of these situations kind of pop up this season. So unlucky, but they'll be back soon. They'll be back, and you're right. Is it is something that um, all sports are going to have to contend with, uh, unfortunately, especially after uh, having that that trial match the other week where they, they had a, a fairly significant loss. They would have been looking to turn things around with the opening match, mm-hmm. uh, and, and also for the Blues as well. It, it kind of um, halts their, I guess, their preparation uh, for the season, and uh, hopefully they can get that sorted pretty quickly and, and get things going. Now, the Drua they had a hit out against the Melbourne Rebels, and this was a pretty positive look at uh, what's coming up for them. Yes, it was a sweet taste of successful Fijian Joy. They secured the dub with a 28-26 to 26 victory, which meant that they scored four converted tries against uh, the Melbourne Rebels. This was amazing because, as we know, Fijian Joy, they tried to get a, a pre-season trial earlier in the year. However, they couldn't, so they just had internals, and then they had this, this uh, hit out against the Rebels, which was um, a good display of, I guess, what they can expect when they head into Super Rugby come round one. But I think that that is a positive sign in some they'll take great confidence from, but uh, they will have the Waratahs on Friday evening, which should be a great spectacle of rugby. Going to be a big match. They scored their, their last try to win it only a couple of minutes before the bell. So that's that's great that they're able to play full game, compete the whole way, and then like seal that victory towards the end. Yes, and I think a lot of people kind of question, okay, so you've got Fiji and Joy, you've got one Pacifica, they're the newest teams, but they're also... They're also the scariest elements, I think, because you just don't know what they're going to bring. Fiji and Joy are showing us that they're an unknown, which uh, can make a lot of teams feel quite uncomfortable. Let's go to the drawer. We'll be uh, following them closely for the season. Now, the UFC had UFC 271 on the weekend, which uh, for anyone who doesn't know, mixed martial arts, um, it's a huge sport, UFC. Uh, and there's a guy from Western Sydney, uh, Tai Vasa, uh, also known as Bam Bam. He's making a name for himself. He's been in, in the, on the scene for a long time, but he had a big win on the weekend. Yes, he did. He knocked out American Derek Lewis in a stunning fashion. Um, he's he's quite a personality. Um, is, is it the ring? Is that what you'd call it? Out of octagon, the ring? Octagon. 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 octagon, octagon. Yeah. Did you know that, Nelly? Octagon. Um, he's quite the personality um, out of the octagon. Like he walked out to to the song, Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Um, and then he gets in and, and he really impresses. It was Yeah, it was a, a pretty... Big performance from Bam Bam. He, uh, with all the the entry music and, and all his uh, show that he puts on, he, he backed it up with a strong performance. Derek Lewis, who is a pretty fearsome uh, competitor, he's made a habit of knocking out heavyweights uh, in his career in the UFC, but um, Bam Bam come up against him and it was a really strong elbow in the second round that, that put a stop to him. Like He was up nice and close. Like, they were just slogging away and he was up really close and he's just thrown this short elbow. He almost missed it, but Derek Lewis dropped straight away and then he didn't jump on top of him to try and finish him off um, as a lot of fighters would do because he knew he had the fight. Yeah, he just started. Did the mounty bolt yeah, and walked yeah. away. <laughs> um, so it was, um, yeah, celebrations all around, mostly with a shoe and some liquid inside it. Love it. And I think the world and like Australia already love and adore him for who he is and how he acts. But I also think the world is falling in love with this Western Sydney sensation. So congratulations to him. And I'm sure there's more to come. Bam, bam. Bam, bam. <laughs> Dean, we're now up to NFL. We've, you know, throughout this whole season, we've been we've been ramping up to this moment. This is a moment in time. We finally reached the Super Bowl, and my goodness, was it impressive! It was impressive. Super Bowl is is probably one of the biggest sporting events in the in the world, and uh, it didn't disappoint in terms of the show that was put on. Uh, we were messaging each other yesterday about the um, halftime show because it was lit. Yeah, it was huge. Although, 
a lot of young people might not connect with it the same way that they don't understand. Yeah, I was taken back to being in my car driving around with my CD player on, and <laughs> its uh, speakers turned up too loud, like crackly too much, because yeah, that was kind of where I was at when I was watching that whole performance. That's okay. That's totally fine. Otherwise, on the field, it was oh, actually. What about the Rock kicking things off? The hype man reading, yeah. reading the um the team list. Sorry, yeah, he was um yeah he was pretty impressive to start things off. He actually said I've seen him tweet this morning about uh, his dream was to play in the NFL. He failed at that, but to be able to be out there on the field and introduce the game was something that um you know he was very humbled to do and very grateful to do, and it was big. The Super Bowl just like name drops on so many people. Like there are big dogs, and why does the field look so busy? There's like millions of people in the field at one time yeah they got they got a lot of people down there. even during the game like the sidelines are full are full with people anyway in terms of the game it was uh it was a really good contest the cincinnati cincinnati bengals by the way who i tipped you tipped the eventual winners I the did. la rams well the bengals were underdogs going in there but they had a lot of attention because they were confident and they've got this young quarterback uh, in joe burrow who's been quite larry throughout his whole career in the nfl which is two seasons um they were underdogs but they put on a really strong performance. They took the lead uh, throughout the game. The Rams, led by Matt Stafford, they've been consistent all year. They've probably got the best rounded team. They've got really strong defense. They've got great attacking weapons or offensive weapons, and they were the favorites to win, and they've done that. 23-20 to 20 was the final score. Uh, there was three touchdowns scored by the Rams, two by the Bengals, Two of the, the Rams touchdowns come by Cooper Cup, who eventually was the MVP for the match. He's had an outstanding season. He's the best receiver in the game, and uh, he capped it off with a, a big performance in the Super Bowl. I thought that the defensive tackle, Aaron Donald, uh, was a chance of, of getting the MVP because he came up with some really clutch defensive plays uh, to shut down the Bengals when it was really critical in the game. And there was many the same that he was a chance of getting it, but Cooper Cup definitely deserved it. And yeah, just the spectacle of the, the event itself was, uh, was huge. Did you enjoy the game, Sarah? Yes. Did you enjoy parts of the, the whole show? I enjoyed parts of the whole show. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm nowhere near a fan of NFL as you, but I can, I definitely respect the game and, and what they do. And it's, it's such a hype and you just see the whole country. In fact, the whole world gets around it. So love it. Love the coverage that you provided us throughout uh, the season and uh, can't wait to do it again. And I don't think I'm, I'm going to join your fantasy team just yet for the upcoming no, season. No, okay. um, but I, I, I'm living through you. So go well, Dean Hallitow. Thank you. Thank you. I've actually got one lesson to finish off with. It's, it's, <laughs> You've got to end it with a lesson. It's more, more of a quirk. This is something that Nelly asked me yesterday because the last 40 seconds of the game, everyone just sort of ran on the field and started celebrating. Like it was just like, Hang on a minute. There's still 40 seconds to go. It's a three-point difference. Don't, we, don't we see what some, like if something can happen? But this happens a lot in, in NFL games. When there's um, no time left or there's 40 seconds left on the clock, um, the clock just starts ticking over. So if you're in possession and you're ahead, you can take a knee. The quarterback will take a knee, and that kills the play, and the clock will keep ticking over. Oh and then down. So with 40 seconds to go, the Rams get the ball, Stafford, kills the play at the end and that's it. So there's no point in running Imagine. anything else. So they just roll it out. Imagine their carry-ons last night. That would have been fun. <laughs> there would have been a lot of carry-ons, yeah. Yes. Oh, shout out to Odell Beckham Jr. He looked very emotional after the game. He hurt his knee uh, ACL uh, during oh. the game, but he was traded mid-season from the Cleveland Browns to the Rams, picks up a Super Bowl after being traded. He's a big personality in the game and, yeah, he's going to spend a lot of time recovering now and needs a contract next year. We wish him well. Talanoa time.
on Can You Be More Pacific? This week for Talanoa Time, we are joined by Shannon Maddow. Shannon is a close friend of mine and she has had a successful career to date in both rugby league and rugby union. She's represented the Queensland Reds, the Australian Wallaroos, and uh, this season she signed with the Gold Coast Titans. Most recently, we saw her compete on the weekend for the All-Star Maldi side and it is a pleasure to have you on the show. Welcome, Shannon. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So humble. So, so humble. Oh, that sounds so great. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon, um, the last time that we caught up with you, you were just getting your footing in the NRLW competition, but since then your career has been on the rise. How would you describe, would you say, the past six months? Um, I guess it's been challenging not playing as much footy within the six months. And I think just prepping, I feel like, for a long time. Um been hard mentally and physically and I guess just being able to play a game before the season hits off um, with Gold Coast Titans it's been great to get that hit and what I can do to move forward. How was that experience last year? Obviously the the competition was postponed a couple of times and no doubt that you and and your teammates would have been getting ready for that season to kick off and then it just keeps getting pushed back. How did you go as a group together trying to overcome that? Um, I guess just getting around each other and just seeing the bigger goal. But then at the same time, we're just like, man, is this going to keep happening? We don't know what's going to happen. Like, the season literally got taken off us a week out from having uh, proper trainings actually scheduled. So it just felt like doing pre-season all over again and again. And we were just like, man, hopefully it actually kicks off this year and that doesn't get robbed from us again. And I think that we just told ourselves mentally, go and see to your families, go and see to yourselves, get right. And when the time is right, we'll all get back together and help each other. Feel motivated again. Well, I'm guessing that the the time back after Christmas would have been um, fairly intense, trying to get ready for this new season that's about to kick off. Has has it been a good run since um, Christmas, this pre-season period, getting ready for the season? Yeah, I think all of us were just like... Knowing that next year has happened, like this year, um, and it was pretty guaranteed. So I think all of us put our heads down when the time was right to get right for the season. Um, well, everyone's different. I know that I was like, man, I don't want to come back super heavy. I don't want to make it too hard for myself. So I actually started a bit earlier, I guess, with the eating side of things. And then just training, just balancing life between footy and family and friends. There's definitely been a lot happening. I guess last time we spoke to you, you were with the Brisbane Broncos, but for this upcoming season, you've signed with the Gold Coast Titans. How has the transition been? And um, I guess what made you say yes to the JC Titans when you've been a uh, strong figure in that Broncos side? Um, I guess a part of it was a bit of points. There's a point system. And there was so much of us that had big points within the Broncos team. And I kind of wanted to challenge myself. So I had I had four offers. So I had Roosters, Dragons, uh, Broncos and Titans. And I obviously wanted to go to a Brisbane team. So I stayed in um, Sydney for a little bit and I really wanted to be with my family. And I was like, man, this is a great opportunity. Be close to my family and represent where I guess I kind of grew up from. And um, I was like, you know what? I want to challenge you the best. 
And so I stepped out of my comfort zone and I said, I want to try adapt to another culture that is going to be different and to challenge myself individually. So it was kind of like an individual goal. Um, as much as I didn't want to leave Broncos, I just had like, I'm always thinking like, man, challenge yourself. And so, yeah, that's why I went to Gold Coast Highlands. So I guess it was another Brisbane team, but also close to my family as well. I love that. How different is the culture at the Titans compared to the one at the Broncos? I guess um, Broncos is like a really amazing club. It's definitely different than Gold Coast Titans, I think, because it's the first year coming in to the NRRW season. Um, but we honestly have the like best mix. Um, obviously, a lot of young ones coming through, and we have a lot of experienced ones that's been around the game for a long time too. So... I'm like learning and then keeping the energy and then just being a part of it all. I suppose, is it helpful having uh, Jamie Feeney as your, as your coach? He's spent a lot of time uh, with the Gillaroo squad uh, also in, in rep football. So is he someone that, that a lot of you are familiar with and, and he's been helpful in terms of this preparation? Um, to be honest, I didn't really know much coaches coming in. And so everyone keeps asking me that question. I'm like... <laughs> Um, yeah, he's great. No, when I met him, um, he's so approachable and he's so comfortable to talk to, like anything you want to talk to about, like um, outside of footy, uh, with footy. Um, he's just so good at understanding and I think he's got that experience of um, playing footy and knowing what like to juggle things, like family. And he always puts family first and that's what I respected the most. And I think that's what drew my attention. Um, to also staying with the Titans as well. So I was pretty lucky to have that. And um, he's just really understanding. Great. And it takes a lot of like um, pressure off you mentally and physically. Well, it's good to hear that he's um, he's got that approach uh, with the team. I guess we want to jump forward now to, to the present time and, and the week that's just gone. Obviously, uh, you mentioned at the top how uh, good a week it was. Can you tell us a little bit more about uh, the time in All-Stars camp and uh, some of the some of the things that you got up to and, and what it was like? Um, yeah, it was by far the best week I've had in, like, I don't know, ages. It really topped up every um, memory that I've had within rugby. Um, I just remember, like, all stepping in. I'm like, Dan, there's a few girls that I don't know. Um, Hey, don't don't be nervous. We're all here for a reason. And um we all just didn't want to stay in our rooms. Like we all met each other and the vibe was just amazing from the get go. And I was like, man, this is this feels special already. And um the annoying part was getting rat tested like twice a day. <laughs> and honestly, so they were like, Oh, you got rat tested uh five o'clock in the morning and so all of us were like, you know what, we're gonna be on point, we're gonna set our alarms. I honestly set my alarm to 5 a.m. on the dot, and then the ladies didn't come till 5.40, and I was like, oh, hell no. You really fucked <laughs> up, Jill. And so I like, had broken sleep, and I was like, you know what? They're going to knock on my door the next few days. I'm not going to set my alarm. just going to trust the process. And they actually came that late every damn day. I was like, holy heck. Um, but besides that, um, no one really wants to stay in their rooms. We all um, got together. Our cultural sessions were, like, amazing, even though that we were tired. Um, that uplifted us together. And although there was a few girls that are fluent Māori, they were able to teach us girls. And so it was still our learning lesson for them to be able to teach us. And then us that were getting taught the lesson, we wanted to know more. And time went so fast and we were like, 
can't believe time is running out. We were all pretty gutted, like, to the end, and it was just emotional. I guess I got out of my comfort zone and shared a bit about my experience and, like, how I feel being here, and it was just amazing. It was the happiest feeling ever. I bet it was, and by all the all the things we saw come um, through social media, it looked like such a fun vibe but also a real valuable experience for a lot of you players. What is your game day ritual? Like you're heading into a match that is anticipated by the whole country, all eyes are on the, the on, on the two teams. How do you prepare yourself for a game like that? Um, normally I keep it the same. It's not too um, big of a game day ritual, but normally get up. It depends how I feel if um, I have like a kind of like a big breakfast. So I'm a bit fueled for later in the game. And when it comes to um, lunch, I had just like a slight little lunch. And um, I normally have to sleep so I don't think about the game or I don't think about other people or I just, yeah, I've got to sleep. And then I wake up and then I grab my journal. I write down three things that I want to bring into the game. Um, And then we normally have a bit of time when we get to the fields, like an hour and a half nearly two hours and I have to put on my Netflix watch like I gotta stay chilled. I gotta keep my mind busy and I just watch Netflix and yeah, relax. And then I go through like my little activations and then I get prepared for warm up. And then she own. Oh well I actually I do have to have the longest shower. Like I wanna um yeah, that's that's like the main thing. I want to feel nice and fresh. I want to feel light. I want to feel, yeah, I feel great when I go out on the bed. So, yeah, and hair has to be done. <laughs> Two braids. I see you. Oh, and brush your teeth. <laughs> I think that's just general hygiene, sis. <laughs> yeah, brush your teeth twice. There's one in the after your breakfast, and then there's one like I don't know. You just got to feel really fresh. <laughs> well, so whatever you're doing, it, it it seemed to work on the weekend because you. You ran for over 200 metres, like running metres, carrying the ball. You come up with 20-odd tackles, and you're on the field for almost the full game, playing in the middle. It must have been um, a pretty testing match, but you, you come through with such a good performance. Well, thank you. Um, it was a very special week for me. I had my mum fly down, my brother, my sister, my auntie, and I've never really had that before, so... It was quite special. I guess it, for me, it was a different feeling from playing any, any other game. And I was just real privileged to be able to like, represent my culture. Um, I guess wear that jersey, be given the opportunity to wear that jersey again. And just to have my family there and to watch me, um, it was very special for me. And I guess I just played everything that I had and just went out there and left nothing and... Um, Despite the loss, I was still very happy. It was like sad leaving the girls and going back to, I guess, another campaign of rugby. But I was just happy that I was able to be a part of it all. And um, also I had friends in the Indigenous team and I was just so very proud of them. And um, it was just a good game. It really was a sensational game and you definitely put on a performance for your family in the stands. Shannon, before you uh, leave us, we love to run a segment called Tip On With Our Guests. It's just 60 seconds of rapid fire questions. Are you down to play? Yes. Yes. And the clock is on. What have you been reading, watching or listening to lately? Um, I've been listening to Geeks. 
Who in your team is always on their phone? Kennedy. Instagram or Facebook? Instagram. What's something you could eat for a month straight? Noodles. What would be your wrestler entrance song? Frozen Heart. Who would play you in the movie of your life? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> NRL or Super Rugby? NRL. Oh, I don't know. That was so oh, you og day. Sneakers or heels? Huh? Sneakers, sneakers. Conditioning or weights? Conditioning. Who's your celebrity crush? Oh, I don't know. It's a hard one. That's okay. And lastly, what was the worst job you ever had? Um, working at KFC, I worked like three shifts and they got me cleaning the bathrooms. <laughs> <laughs> they did you dirty. On the third shift, I was like, well, maybe it was the second shift. I was just like, okay, this is really not for me. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. <laughs> and my mom's like, Need to go. Fine. Chicken job. And I was like, no. But I did it. It was the worst thing. I was like, oh, grateful to eat your chicken, but not clean to Thank you. <laughs> grateful for your chicken, but not your toilet. Well, Shannon, thanks very much for joining us uh, on the show. We always love having you. We wish you all the best for your upcoming season with the Titans. Uh, it'll be a double season. So if um, if you're there at the end of the year as well, we uh, we wish you the best for that. But thanks again. No, thank you for having me. Thank you, guys. That was Shannon Maddow. She's shone bright in the All-Stars match in the weekend and she'll be kidding up with the Gold Coast Titans this season. You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific? We're back with our favourite segment, You Can Ask That. And, Dean, this week we have a question from Marco in PNG, and he's asked, why did they stop pushing in scrums and will they bring it back? They're pushing union without injuries and their scrums are much bigger with more weight. And he's obviously talking about rugby league because rugby league, they do not contest in their scrums, unlike God's favourite sport, rugby (laughs) union, where we absolutely do. Yeah, you, you made. I think you highlighted the fact there yeah, that the scrums are much bigger, more weight, so they're stronger. They can test. It's heaps better. I don't know why we stop pushing in scrums in league. It's an interesting question because I don't know, Andrew Moore actually always brings this up about what's the point of having a scrum because they don't actually contest anything. And my argument back is that scrums um, pull your defensive line apart so that there's an, like an attacking opportunity. If, if you want to set up a play off the back of a scrum, then generally you're going against players that are maybe out of position or they're spread a bit further because everyone, everyone's congregated at that scrum that's a forward. Uh, so that's why I think they've been kept because it still gives – um, a structural opportunity for, for some attacking play. But uh, to, I can't even remember when scrums stopped being like contested in rugby league or why people stopped stop pushing, I guess. Well, according to this forum I can see on the internet, they say it stopped in the, the mid-80s, early 90s. And I'm thinking, so, Dean, throughout your entire career, you did not contest in a single scrum. Well, I'm sure that we did because we had a – like when I was playing early days, um, my old coach, Tim Sheens, he had um, – put together like a couple of plays, trick plays off scrums. One of them being like a call where we'd actually push because Mm -hmm. you're allowed to push. Teams just weren't really doing it. So I don't know um, 
it, it was never a rule. It was never brought in say, hey, don't push. It was just, I don't know. We, but we had this, um, this scrum play that Sheenzy thought was genius where uh, we'd push the middle, the, the front of the scrum would push outwards, right? Yes. And sort of split the scrum through the middle and then the lock would pick it up and try and run straight through the middle of the scrum. <laughs> because, How often did that pay off? Oh, I can't even remember. We've done it a few times, um, but the, the, the thought being that one, the middle's pushing them away. So then the back guys would actually run off to try and get set for the, the shift or whatever. And then meanwhile, the locks picked it up and just snuck through, yeah, snuck through the middle. But um, I don't know that it ended up in any tries. I can't remember. It probably did. Uh, so it's a, it's a question that I can't answer. I don't know why. Yeah. I but mean, you slagged off the scrums last week. I did because I'm like, why the hell do you guys do it? We only do it when it's um, when we're playing against an opposition. I mean, more so at club level when you're playing against an opposition who are – who have much less experience and you don't want to injure them. But within this question, it says rugby union um, can do it without injuries. I beg to differ. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a lock. I'm a lock. My head is in between my prop and my hooker and it is far from uncomfortable. Oh, sorry. It's far from comfortable. And um, often when, depending on who's dominating the scrum, you just get landed on. And I kid you not, last week in training, one of the scrums collapsed and then I was like, oh, okay, cool. They're pulling everyone off. And at the bottom of it was another prop and I just, I genuinely didn't see her face. I'm like, see, this is just the life of a forward. You just lead these sacrificial selfless lives. And then you look at the backs of the playing like duck, duck, goose or something. I don't know. Now, now you're having a crack at the backs. Yeah. Now I'm having, <laughs> now, now you got me ramped up. So Marco in short, I guess Dean is saying that he doesn't know why they stopped. Yes. I don't know why they stopped. No. Um, Sorry, Marco. However, in Union, they haven't stopped. They have not stopped. But, like, you know, Rugby Union, like, they reset the scrum so often. Like, it's a oh, of, here we go. It's a bit of a time waster. Like, we just get ours done and move on. Yeah. But see, like, your, your play is, like, no different to just we're a tap to, and go. <laughs> so to don't even try and compare it. Let's stop trying to one-up each other. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to end up in a fight soon. So um, uh, if you've got a question, um, please feel free to send it through to us on our Instagram. Um, my handle is at Sarah Nangama and Dean's is at Dean Hallitau. Can you be more Pacific? Keeping it social. Time now for Keeping It Social. We're digging into some of the best social media posts of the week, which uh, we love doing. Me in particular, <laughs> don't giggle. Sarah, what's your social post for this week? My favorite social this week comes from the NRL Instagram from the game on the weekend. Um, this piece of really cool footage of one of the cameramen taking a shot at dance cam. Safe to say it went viral because I'm looking at it right now and it has over 90,000 likes on Instagram. And basically what happened was the cam has landed on him, which often happens when you had a game, dance cam. It's also very cringe to run, I must say, when you put the person around and they like, get out of your chairs and have a crack. Um, but he just fully, fully commits to the cause, hands his camera off to someone that's standing nearby him, and um, he breaks out into some moves. He slips because it's wet. It was so wet um, on the weekend. He slips and then he turns it into a worm. And safe to say he's the most iconic photographer <laughs> in the damn game. It was pretty cool. I was lucky enough. I was actually standing right in front of it. So I was, one, watching, the, like, I don't know, they didn't really set it up, but he was just standing there. They're going around the crowd, as you said, for the dance cam. And then he just threw his camera away and started dancing. We got a front row seat to it. It was pretty cool. And when he slipped, I was like, oh, no, he slipped over like it's wet. I don't know what he was thinking. I don't think he meant to, to slip over. Obviously, he didn't. And then he goes in to the worm for the save with the little pose at the end there. <laughs> and uh, poor, poor fella come up pretty wet. 
Uh, but you know what? When you've got 90,000 likes, you don't even care about yeah, how yeah. wet you are. Got his moment and killed it. What about you, Dean? What did you? What did Nelly give you this week? No, I found this myself. Oh, my God. Thank I'm you proud of you. Much. Sorry. Look at me. Just accusing you. Could have gone anywhere to the NRL um, Instagram account because the, 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 the social content. media stuff from the game was unreal. Like, yes. It was um, really, really cool. But I've actually gone to um, one of my other favorite sports, which you all love, golf. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the Phoenix Open was on over the weekend, which mm-hmm. is a PGA Tour event in the States. And it's well known for the 16th hole. The 16th hole, 16th hole is called the stadium hole. They've built this um, temporary uh, stadium seating all the way around this one hole. It's a par three. It's 150 or less uh, in length, 150 yards. So it's only a small hole, but it's surrounded by grandstands. And there was like 20,000 people that fit in this grandstand on the golf course. And they pretty much just consume drink all day long and watch players come up and try and hit their shots. And Sam Ryder was the first for the weekend. There was two, but Sam Ryder hit a hole in one on this hole and the whole place erupted. It was like being at like a, a footy match. Like everyone went nuts. They started throwing beer on the on the hole, on the green, on the in the bunkers and everything. And it took, I think it took the um, ground staff about 15 minutes to clear all the beer and all that away for the next person to hit their shot. But oh, damn. If, it is unreal. Go to the PGA um, Tour Instagram account and have a look at it because the atmosphere and, and the the moment itself is huge and this is how it went. This just moments ago. Sam Ryder <laughs> taking it right at it. Talk to me. Come on. Oh my God. There's liquid coming down. There's tears going everywhere. We are covered in beer and other liquids, I believe. <laughs> so, wow, everyone is going insane. We might have a slight rain delay here on the 16th, Jim, because it's going to take a little bit of cleanup. That is pretty insane. It, it's massive. Like, if I was to be, like, to pick a moment that I could, like, experience. That would be it? That, that would be, like. I like that. Yeah, right up there. Good this on you, the Dean. Final, yeah, so that's my social for the week. In the rut, tackling the tough headlines in sport on Can You Be More Pacific? This week in the rut, we've got some tough headlines, but some good headlines as well, and it kicks things off at rugby. Sarah? Yes, some really exciting news has emerged throughout this past week. Uh, Fiji and Drua, who we know will be joining the Super Rugby Pacific competition, will be joined also by the Fijiana um, squad, which is their women's 15 side. This is really, really exciting because not only do we see a new team come into the competition, but we see a team completely made up of Pacifica Heritage join the Premier Comp here in Australia. Yeah, it's huge news uh, for women's rugby and for Fiji as well to be able to have um, representation. There'll be 23 local members of the squad and then eight members will come from New Zealand, England, Australia and Japan. So it's uh, great to have so much local talent um, playing on the biggest stage in the world. And it's uh, like I said, it's great news that this has happened. It really is. It'll give them the strong lead up they need for World Cup that'll take place later this year. So really exciting to see players coming international to join this side in their inaugural year will be huge um, for for the competition. I've played in it for the past, this will be my fifth season. And um, it, it's, it's, it's a timely change and, and something I'm really looking forward to. So can't wait for the opportunity. The girls will have their first trial match against Queensland Reds this Saturday. Um, so 
it'll be really cool to see how that unfolds because Queensland Reds top competitors. But last year, Fijiana did come to Queensland, played the Reds, and actually beat them. So they do have a a track record there. So Runs on the board, exactly. So we'll see we'll see how that uh, levels up this weekend. In the spirit of good news in women's sports, the Black Ferns have announced that 29 players uh, from their 15 squad have been contracted, which basically means that they will no longer have to do this hustle that I currently do of working full-time and trying to juggle your football. They're taking 29 girls out to to prep them for World Cup this year, which means that they will basically live and train as full-time professionals. This is an incredible step in the right direction. These girls are looking at contracts um, – as as small as sixty thousand up to a hundred and thirty thousand dollars annually, um, I am shook. I am so shook um, that twenty nine players can take this step. And you know, often we hear about contracts being awarded, but it's always in the sevens format or girls who kind of dabble in both of like sevens and do a bit of fifteens. Like these are twenty nine of their best players being contracted. Um, you know, to do this for the next eight months or so. So you can only imagine how much they'll grow and develop and how much that'll put their squad in good stead in the in the lead to World Cup. Yeah, well done, uh, New Zealand Rugby. Uh, they've made a statement. They want to... Statement, yes. They, they have made a statement, right? We're, we're going to invest in our players to be able to focus solely and wholly on, on rugby and prepare for the World Cup. And um, I think it won't... Be, hopefully it's not too long before some other nations take note and at least try and come some way to the party. Yes. I think it's a, a great move. Well done, New Zealand Rugby, and can't wait to see uh, how the Black Ferns go in the World Cup. But you're really <laughs> yeah, looking forward to seeing the Wallaroos. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. Some real unfortunate news that came out this week or something that's been circling social media is um, a complaint that has reached the World Rugby office from the Manu Samoa team. Yeah, this is really unfortunate. The The letter is alleging mistreatment of players on part of the team's management in Dubai. So it's 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 fairly, fairly concerning. Obviously, there's a process that's going to unfold now, um, but obviously not a, a good look here for, for rugby in Samoa. No, it really isn't. And one of the main complaints that emerged from the letter is they believe, well, these players um, believe that their management put them at risk by taking them into places to do public promotions and kind of exposing them to COVID-19, taking, and once they did kind of test positive, not kind of, when they did test positive, their phones were taken away and they felt like they were being treated like kids. They had minimal communication. They didn't receive adequate food or water. I mean, there's always three sides to a story, but the fact that this has emerged, and I've seen players who have um, worn the Josie before kind of speaking up being like, oh, it's so crap to see this continue alludes to this idea that perhaps there's been mistreatment in the years, but the light's been finally shone upon it and, and some people will be held accountable. So however this unfolds, um, I'm sure we'll be keeping a close eye, but really unfortunate to hear something like this happen in, in a small nation like Samoa. Indeed it is. Over to the NRL, and there's been some big news for the team that we're going to be following, the Parramatta Eels NRLW. Yes. They've named their skipper. Yes, they have. And I could not be more stoked for this lady. So my Matalfa, she's been named captain of the inaugural Parramatta Eels NRLW team. She's an experienced lock. She's had experience in the Jillaroo jersey. She's a New South Wales Origin representative player. And she also captained the Sydney Roosters earlier in her NRL career. So an incredible, incredible woman um, who I think is is the right leader for them this season. She is. And I... I... I've known Samima for a little while now, and she's the type of person, she'll put her hand up to do a lot of community work. She's a very good ambassador for for the game, and, and she works extremely hard on her game as well. She's constantly posting on her Instagram, 
the sessions that she's doing to get herself primed and ready to play and she's constantly working and she's also a very positive person like she doesn't let too much get her down she plays in I've seen her play injured before and um, takes it takes everything in a stride so uh, a, a fairly good selection there from the Eels to, to make Samima their, their captain and no doubt she'll lead them well. Yes, their campaign kicks off on February 27th with a triple header in Newcastle. So that'll be one to watch. Last but not least, the New Zealand Warriors have had some sad news. Yeah, they were planning to play uh, a home game in round 15 this season. And unfortunately, because of um, COVID travel restrictions and, and whatnot between Australia and New Zealand, they've had to reschedule or not reschedule, but they've had to reposition that game back here in Australia. So it won't be going back home to Mount Smart Stadium for the Warriors players and um, and their team. So disappointing. I know that there's a real desire in New Zealand for rugby league to be played live over there and obviously for the players to be able to get home and play in front of a home crowd and uh, return somewhat to normal is something that's uh, really, really um, important for them. But at the moment, it's just not going to be able to occur because of the, the travel restrictions in place. I really feel for their fans that live abroad, but hopefully the day of being able to see fixtures, being able to play them freely is close. Hopefully. They're going to be playing most of the games at Redcliffe this year, which is their, their base in the moment. And um, that round 15 match against the Panthers will be played uh, at Redcliffe. ABC Radio Australia. Can you be more Pacific? Well, there's more sport coming up this weekend, but what are you looking forward to in particular, Sarah? What I'm most excited about is that the Super Rugby Pacific competition is going to kick off tomorrow night. First up, we have the Waratahs and Fijian Draw. This will be amazing because we get to see Fijian Draw compete for the first time in the competition. But also the Waratahs have been talking a lot about a reset and having a much more successful uh, campaign than last year. So I think we're in for a thriller match there. Then on Saturday, Crusaders, who won uh, Super Rugby Etaroa up against the Hurricanes, we know that the Crusaders always bring the heat, so that's going to be a great clash. And then uh, Saturday here in Australia, we have the Queensland Reds, who won the Super Rugby AU last year up against the Melbourne Rebels. Rebels, as we know, they lost in their preseason trial, so they're not going in with um, some wins under their belt, but nonetheless, it'll be a great match of football. Yeah, some big matches, and are you really excited for the rugby to kick off? It- I can't believe it's already actually here. Yeah, so I'm actually so excited that it's here. Very exciting. I'm interested to see how your Waratahs go because they had a, a yeah. Watch this space, boy. It's going to be great. Campaign. Yeah, they <laughs> they've re- is a reset the same as a rebuild. Yeah, re- rebuilds take a bit of time or reset like reset. Let's go. We're on now. Press F5. It's a reset. Okay. Good test against the draw, though. Yeah, it will be. I've heard firsthand from their coach, Darren Coleman, um, about their plans for this season. And, you know, the boys speak openly about how great their preparation is. So you can only put your trust and hope in the process and hope it pays off. Look forward to wrapping this up next week. Yes, it'll be good. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia and ABC Sport Digital Radio. Well, that's all we have time for. So if you miss the show or you just want to listen to all this magic again, it'll be replayed on Friday, 2pm PNG time, or you can find all of our episodes on the Radio Australia website or wherever you listen to your podcast. More there. Tolkia. Can you be more Pacific? An ABC sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.